0: It's hard to believe it's November 11th, and we are in week two of Pac-12 football. I'm Yogi Roth with Ted Robinson. Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure, produced by Britton Covey, Utah's wide receiver. He'll be chiming in here and there. Ted, we we had games, and we had games postponed, and that, I think, is going to be the theme. Four in the SEC year, postponed as of today. Pac-12 has six slated. We'll see what happens. Uh, Curious your overall takeaway from week one, in this conference? Because there are so many lanes to go down, brother.
1: Yeah, well, uh, yeah, big pictures. First of all, we were together last week because I was in Southern California working another sport. uh, So that's why we were able to do this in person. We were so excited for football. And Saturday I spent, my work was done by about 1030 in the morning. And the rest of the day, I watched Pac-12 football plus Notre Dame. I did. I watched my <laughs> alma mater. But anyway, it was just fun. I was glued. It was it was so much fun to see games. Second big picture, nine a.m. kickoff. To me, double thumbs up. I just to me, I have been on record. It was John Wilner's idea. He ran it by me when he first came up with it. I thought it was a great nothing to lose idea to try. There's nothing to lose by trying it. And I can't. I had three different. Friends emailed me by 2 o'clock Saturday afternoon saying, God, it was great to watch the ending of that USC-Arizona State game. And it was all over the country. Everybody saw it. And even though the election news did come out on the same day, and that sort of dimmed the whole football buzz a little bit, it was great for me for the Pac-12 that that exciting finish occurred on a big stage that everybody could see. And then, you know, the last big picture item was that – you know, probably the game that had the least focus on it, just for the clear reasons, turned out to be Washington State. Holy gosh, what an, what a debut for the Cougs for Nick Rolovich. We can get into that, um, and then of course the, the downside, and we can chime in with Britain on this when we have a chance. Is you know four teams couldn't play, and and right now it doesn't appear to be. I mean, they can't make it up in quantity. In other words, hopefully you can make that matchup up December 19th. We'll see how the conference deals with it. But that's just a lost game. And that's, you know, we understand it's happening all over the country. It still can't be easy. Yeah, I'm
0: with you there. Um, I've kind of shifted my mindset, and it happened on Saturday where I was like, I'm going to be excited about the games that are played versus the games that are not, because I just think this trend is going to continue with games being postponed. Of course, we've seen that this week. So uh, before we get to the football, uh, Britton, let's just bring in real fast. What was it like to have a game canceled and it, with all the anticipation and, of course, it being the opener?
2: Yeah, it was really tough, especially because we found out about one hour before we were going to practice, our final practice before game day. Uh, we got an emergency text saying, hey, we have an emergency Zoom meeting as a team. And, and right when you hear the word Zoom you, and something virtual, you know that it's COVID related because they don't want you in the facility. Um, and, and so right when that happened instantly, I have like five different group messages with the receivers, with the captains, with these, and, and everybody just started going, oh, they, they've canceled us. There's no way. So it was, it was really tough especially having gone two months, pretty strong, not not very many cases, just doing everything that you can. I mean, a lot of guys, their daily routine is wake up, go to football, do school online and go home without leaving their house because they don't want something like this to happen. So to go multiple months without having a breakout or anything like that, and then to hear that you get shut down the day before the game is it was pretty disheartening. Mm -hmm.
1: You know, Britain. What this is where you come into play because you can give us the first person uh, experience with this as an outsider looking in. It appears not just the Pac-12 schools, but virtually everybody in the country, all the way through the NFL, is doing everything they can do to minimize this to make sure games can be played that people are safe. I mean, the amount of testing that has been done that we know about, Uh, and yet both NFL and colleges have been, you know, have had games altered, postponed. It seems unavoidable. So, from from that's my outside view. I'm watching, saying, "Man, everybody's trying everything they can." What's the insider's view on that? Well,
2: exactly. The insider's view is there's nothing more that you can physically do to prevent this from happening. It, it's almost inevitable. Um, it's like Thanos. It's just inevitable. It's it's hard, to, and, and that's why you can't you can't point fingers at people. Uh, you know, I feel like. On social media these days, it's with the virus especially, half of people think you're doing too little and half of people think you're doing too much. And, you know, I've always said it's better to err on the side of doing too much with something like this because you don't want to be blamed for doing too little. That's worse. And so, honestly, there's nothing more that these programs can be doing. Our trainers are working tireless hours. I mean, they're there for... From five thirty in the morning, getting tests ready till eight at night, just trying to control this thing, and and yet a lot of it doesn't depend on them. So I feel bad for the people behind the scenes working so hard with this because it so much of it is out of their control. And you know, especially here in the state of Utah, we've we you know the the virus numbers have been going up and up in the last month or so. And uh, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. You you're it's easy to say, man, I wish we could have started the season two months ago, but it's just, it's not worth it to, to do that.
0: Yeah, that's really well said, man. Okay. Um, appreciate that. Uh, to me, hindsight is twenty-twenty on some Pac-12 football as well, Ted. One of the biggest surprises to me heading into the season was the preseason Pac-12 team, which call it what you may. I didn't vote in that. Did you vote for that? No, the media poll. Okay, cool. Cause I think both of us would have put Drake London somewhere as a wide receiver. Right. I mean, the dude finished the year, I think with five games in a row last year with a touchdown, such a matchup issue to me, he was my player of the week. And there was a lot of great players, right? We're going to get to Jaden DeLora. Um, you know, of course, Sam Neuer, uh, Jarek Broussard. There's a, there's a lot of people that surprised you, Deion McIntosh, but to me it was Drake London, like just a gamer, And it was all the little things. And I know Britton will appreciate it. He was – it was when he was, like, run blocking at the point of attack. It was when he was running a route and took two receivers. And then, of course, the end of the game to make that play. uh, Because he he ripped victory away from Arizona State. I mean, ASU dominated the ball game for 58 minutes. That's it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, it's it's, 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 to me – watching and again I watched I listened a little bit on the radio, but I watched the second half of that game and it was one of those rare days in sports where the best team didn't win. The best team on that day was Arizona State, but the best team doesn't always win the game. And USC won the game, and it, I knew you as a receiver would, would love London. and I, as a failed old quarterback, thought Slovis's throw was phenomenal it reminded me so much of a throw Sam Darnold made in the great Rose Bowl game. It was a very similar throw, the kind of throw that, again, every pro scout watching, okay, that's a pro throw. And and Slovis made it. Um, that was great. And, and for USC to win that game was exceptional. Um, and so there's the instant euphoria. And then I'm sure the coaches dealt with the instant reality of, okay, we've got some things here. And If I'm Herm Edwards, I'm feeling pretty good about everything except the score, (laughs) right? They played really well. And their defensive line, Lole, was just crushing people. If I'm USC, I'm concerned because I can't block. And I, I, I would be worried for Slovis. And it's the same dilemma that we talked about Yogi all the time with Leach in Washington State. Your quarterbacks get crushed. And thankfully, it didn't happen as much up there with Minshew or Anthony Gordon last year. But previously, their quarterbacks just got battered because they don't block in that scheme. And I'm hoping that it doesn't happen to Slovis this year.
0: I'm with you there. I, I thought it was interesting, like big picture. Last weekend, if you're talking Pac-12 football, right, nationally, probably as good of a scenario as you could have. SC wins, Oregon wins. Both of them got gifts. Davis Mills, Connor Weddington, not playing. And if Davis is in against uh, – Relatively inexperienced Oregon defense, which I think is trending upward. But still, there were throws there for Jack West. And then he made a couple of them, missed a couple of them. And, of course, missing the field goals didn't help Stanford's offense. But, but overall, from like a Pac-12 conference brand perspective, it, it was good that those two teams finished. And then to your point of the early game, what I found fascinating, and, and I, I probably shouldn't, but every show I watched, all game long, I was in the studio, so halftime show, post-game show, They just showed the USC ending. They didn't talk about how them being dominated for 58 minutes. So it just reminds you of like the narrative of the West Coast. Sometimes it's just the simple one that gets spun, and it got spun all day long into the night. So uh, on a positive note for SC, that was great. And for ASU, I wouldn't be shocked if they get to the title. I really wouldn't because I I don't believe in SC right now, and I do believe in Arizona State because that front, that defense, uh, and those two freshman backs or first-year backs – Holy man, I think they're the best duo in the conference.
1: Well, plus the receivers, and I can't fathom that you're going to have Johnny Wilson go through another game. I mean, as talented as he looks, and I can only gauge my, what I see, I can't fathom Johnny Wilson's going to have another game like that.
0: Yeah, and, and I think of, too, like uh, I was talking to Mark Brand earlier this week, uh, the, the esteemed SID at ASU, and you think about LV, Bunkley, Shelton, and Johnny Wilson. Their first game is in a the town they grew up in, team they grew up following, at the Coliseum, and your leader, Frank Darby, is out. Yeah. That, that's hard. And, and I remember this. And, Britton, tell me if you agree with this or not. I think the, the biggest change for me as a receiver from high school to college was not the speed of the ball. Like, that was surprising. But the closing speed of DBs. You know, you think you can just catch the ball, but boom, they're on it. And that
2: happened to those guys pretty much all game long. Oh, definitely. I, I mean, just the closing speed of everybody. I remember – in high school, you could cut back two or three times across the field. <laughs> I remember the first time I tried to cut back in college, I had a D lineman in pursuit, just ripped the ball out. So, yeah, the closing speed of DBs is, is on another level. And I, I actually think that's part of the Pac-12's brand is, is defensive backs have, have some great closing speed, and, and that's been the brand for a while. So that was a big, a big thing. You'll see a lot of fumbles this year because of it, too.
0: Other You saw it in that game, which that was that was disappointing. Okay, so Ted, as we look into this week, we got uh, the opener of the day is not at nine a.m., so everybody can sleep in a little bit and get a workout in if you want. But SC goes on the road to Arizona, twelve thirty Pacific against a team that doesn't have a win. You know, much like what Britain said, they were in a similar boat. They found out, of course, playing Utah that right before they were about to go to their final walkthrough, uh, the game was not going to happen. What are you looking forward to? in this game with a team that you've seen that we just referenced and a team that, you know, I think there's a lot of question marks about.
1: Well, and within that, yoga, know, to me, that's the question is that, you know, everybody last week was on the same footing. There was no tape. There were no non-conference games. You know, we are Britain tell us last week that you're watching, you know, tape of Arizona's D from uh, how many or somebody else's D from X years ago because Paul Rose is now there. Right. So now Arizona has a game to watch, right? They have a USC game to watch and there is no, Arizona game to watch. So Grant Canell's debut is as the, as the uh, standalone number one quarterback. He played a little bit last year, we know. But now he's the guy. We don't know. Uh, that's Obviously, that's the fascination in all of this. Uh, but, again, to me, uh, USC, because they are a focal point, in Pac-12 football always will be. Uh, uh, the, uh, I walk away again going, man, skill position, people pretty good. Line play needs to be there. And if the line play can get anywhere close to where their skill position people are, they could really be good.
0: Yeah, t- to me for this game, there's one thing to be aware of. That's getting no play is Gary Brightwell. He's the running back at Arizona. He might be, regarding these draft eligible players, he might be the best back that's going to get the most play in this conference from scouts, and and that'll surprise a lot of people. But this dude came in as a freshman. Ted, I remember calling his games with you, and he was kind of slot receiver. And around, he was that type of athlete. Now here he is, and I talked to members of their staff last week, gearing up for just prep for the Utah game that was postponed. They were like, this guy, he looks the part. Like, he really, I think, can be a bell cow for them. So I'm curious. We saw
1: ASU run the rock. That's what I was going to ask you. How, how much will Noam Zoni, if Brightwell's able to, to get a little traction going? Does he lean on the run game? Will he do what Rolovich did in Corvallis this past Saturday?
0: Well, we're, we're, Noel Mazzoni's great. And if you just want to be a complete nerd, go on YouTube and watch the drive from UCLA with Brett Huntley. We, we did a doc series, we followed him all year. And they had a running back named Paul Perkins. Remember him? Who's one of the all time greats. And in his offense, he's known for, of course, quarterback development. He's got the laundry list of players that everybody knows. But he likes to put linebackers in binds. And I think that's what ASU did to USC, even though the, their passing game wasn't, wasn't much. They put those guys in space in bind. So the run-pass option game that gets over overused, but it's real, I think they're going to use that a lot. So SC's going to have to make plays in space. I think that's the bottom line because the O-line of Arizona is sneakily, I think, going to impress you when you watch them on Saturday. That's kind of a strength for this team. Remember last year, so many injuries played, so many young guys. So if they can hold up against SC's aggressive defense, Todd Orlando is going to bring heat. I, I'm excited to watch Gary Brightwell, whether that's out of the back with backfield, Booby Curry, some of these slot receivers. I'm, I'm really anticipating that because this game does not scream sexy game, must watch, but I think when you get into the weeds of it, man, it's going to be fun because I do think he'll, he'll try to run the football.
1: Can Arizona scheme up with the new D coordinator because they have been short on defensive talent you know, compared to the rest of the conference. They've been short in that area the last few years.
0: If it was me, and if I was uh, Graham Harrell, I would run the football a ton in this game. I, and and they'll make plays. Arizona's got some talent in the secondary, but they they lost the heart of their defense. You look at transfers. Okay, Kylan Wilborn hit the portal. Maybe he wasn't going to play a lot. Maybe he was. We don't know. Two starting linebackers who would have been four-year starters. Starting safety, multi-year starter. I would just pound the rock and that's what I was surprised like that Oregon State didn't do all game because I think you can just wear a team out when you get into the second half so I I, I would anticipate that from SC I think they got to be confident on the offensive line because if you play it out they're going to face presumptuously Oregon in the title if they went out that's the best front in this conference right you better be able to handle it and I think you got to gain some confidence after you know Jermaine Lole, uh, Michael Matus and company last week at ASU they, they had their way with SC on the offensive line for a large part. So, so I, I'd be curious, and if they abandon it and just go right to the passing game, uh, th- that may be part of the air raid, of course, but it, it won't give me a lot of confidence in SC if they have to win a game in the trenches.
1: All right, so you mentioned Oregon, so let's flip to that one. Oregon has to go up to Pullman. <laughs> and, you know, that's been a, that has been such a tough, oh, it's a tough trip for everybody. <laughs> even us, Britton, it's a tough trip. But but Oregon's, <laughs> Oregon, I mean, that's been a rough trip for even very good Oregon teams. And now they're walking into face a Washington State team with a new, I mean a new two hundred. What I've learned is that two hundred and twenty nine rush yards. There were a couple of seasons with Leach there where they didn't do that. And they did it in one game.
0: Oh, how about this one? I got this from Jim Thornby. Uh, the Oregon State game was the first time that Washington State had more rushing yards and passing yards since two thousand and ten. Yeah, <laughs> a decade ago, a wow. decade ago. So um, I, I, I think for this one, I, I'm really excited. And I just got back from Pullman. It was snowing. It was freezing. Uh, I got to watch the team run around. It was kind of my first taste and probably my only taste of being around a program this entire season. I got to sit down with Abe Lucas, who might be the first or second O-lineman uh, drafted, who's playing this year. Of course, Penesel being the first one. Uh, he's that type of ability if he chooses to opt out. But to start with the Ducks, I got to give love to Tyler Shuck and Joe Moorhead. Joe Marhead, uh, one-time GA at Pitt when I was a freshman 20 years ago, which is sad to say, Britain it goes by fast. But <laughs> with that, I, and I'm going to put a breakdown of this on social media. Ted, what they did with Tyler in terms of the zone read game, it looks like he's going to hand it off, and they run the option. He looks like they're, they're going to hand it off, and it's DJ Johnson out the back door. It looks like he's going to hand it off, and it's somebody down the seam. Again, putting people in binds in space, it was awesome. And they're going to go do that again. I think they're going to want to run the football a ton. And the thing that we saw from Wazoo's defense in week one with Jake Dickard is, man, they played as one. And not in like the cheesy Ed Orgeron, we need to be one heartbeat type of one. But they didn't miss gaps. Everybody fit. And that was like, whoa. That was so impressive. That's why you didn't see a lot of busts, a lot of huge explosive plays by Oregon State in that ball game. So I think it's going to be sneaky, a pretty good game.
1: Thank you. Oh, so yeah. let me ask you cuz watching the first half uh, of the Stanford Oregon game, we all know because again Walker Little opted out. Stanford's offensive line is in flux. We're not really sure what kind of an O-line they're going to have. That O-line did pretty well against Oregon's D in the first half of that game. That you know, so what do we is that a red flag at all for the Oregon defense?
0: I don't. I don't think so. Um, I think it's it's notable, right? Because the linebackers are so inexperienced, right? They, they lost all their productivity there for the most part. Um, they lost. Look at the DBs in the middle of the defense. Brady Breeze, Javon Holland. Like right? Javon was the nickel defender. He was down in the box a ton. Huge losses for them. Um, and and I think also, Stanford's the best offensive line at least in week one. I mean Walter Rouse. Did yeah. As ceiling so high written all over him so I, I think it's almost like hey Stanford look out the tunnel workers union you know that trend that was a big deal with Mike Bloomgren. I, I think it's on its way back uh, so, so I'm looking forward to you know Oregon State's development if there's one thing I would say to do uh, to anybody when you see Noah Sewell in the game for Oregon at linebacker just watch him don't watch anything else if we were calling a game Ted I would tell our director Scott Barkey ISO Noah Sewell because he was launching O Lyman off him. He's 260.
1: He's 260 playing Mike Backer. And of course, the brother of Panay. It was he was awesome to watch. Oh man. Well that the Oregon Washington State game to me is the most I mean, that's the, the, the highest curiosity factor to me, obviously, for all of the things. And now that you're telling me there's snow there, <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what Saturday's gonna be like, but it's a, what's it, four it's a four o'clock local time kick, which means it'll be dark by 415 totally what did you think of Jaden delora well i mean that was something the whole way watching and i will say that i didn't watch much of i didn't watch any of the second half for sleep reasons and uh, and the score looked pretty commanding at halftime anyway the way the game was being played but my gosh and it was a combination right we say this all the time it seems today about players they don't look like freshmen they don't act like freshmen right Said it about Slovis last year. They walk on the field and just feel like, okay, it's, I'm ready. I'm here. And then, but the flip side to me is that Nick Rolovich, who clearly knew him and brought him to Pullman from Hawaii, trusted him, right? Trusted him. Didn't hold back, let him go. First game. I To me, that was just, it was just absolutely outstanding. I had no idea that that was going to be what I would see. So I was watching this in the first half and you know, the other jaws dropping off. Man, this is a different it, it, we talk about identity right it's what it's what i know frustrates a lot of people about USc it's what frustrated me watching USc Saturday from the standpoint that every program has identity Utah has identity we know it and usc's changed its identity Washington state had identity and now it's new but the new at least for the first game the new identity was pretty darn good
0: Man, so after practice in the snow, and I hadn't been that cold in a long time, I'm in Pullman two nights ago, and uh, I'm talking to some players after practice, socially distant, masked up, and I said, tell me about the vibe and the confidence that Jaden DeLore brings to the team, because to me, he looked tremendously confident. That was my biggest takeaway, arm talent, all that stuff, but he was like, this kid is confident, and they said, he, from the day he got here, he just had a galvanizing element to his personality. Didn't try to be the hero, didn't try to rally the team, didn't call a team meeting, just showed up in practice. And they were like, there's just something different about him. And if you look at it, and this was something I didn't think about post postgame, where he went to high school, right? We're talking about Tua, Marcus, Jason Gesser, I mean, Timmy Chang, all the greats, to win that job, to win that job in high school is competitive right? Everybody transfers on the island to that school to go be the quarterback because they know what happens when you launch. So I think when you when you think that through, you're like, oh, okay. It wasn't like it was his first quarterback competition. That's right. And I just, I was really, um, th- that thought I, had, I hadn't had, really impressed by him. And this one's going to be fun because he's going to get hit in the mouth by Kayvon Thibodeau. And I can't wait to see him bounce back.
1: So let me share, we'll, we'll do a podcast, a little story share here about that very thing. And I was in a conversation a few weeks back with John Lynch, great player at Stanford, great NFL player, now the GM of the 49ers. And John was telling a story about his arrival at Stanford to play football. And he made a point of the the late Denny Green, who was a terrific coach both in college and the NFL. Denny Green had just taken over as the coach at Stanford. And John Lynch said the first thing Denny Green really did was to teach us swagger. (laughs) So that when we, because Denny believed in that, so that when we walked into, the as the visiting team, into their stadium, onto their field, we walked with swagger, like belief. And he said it really registered the first time they played the big game at, at Cal. Stanford walked in the stadium like, all right, we're going to beat you. We just don't know what the score is going to be yet. And, and when I watched Delora play Saturday night on television, that's what I was watching. I the freshman, first game? No way. We saw, Yogi, we saw Hawaii play last year. And uh, was it Macintosh the kid's name? I think what was the McIntyre, the quarterback for Hawaii last year? Now he played that way, the same way playing for Nick Rolovich. He was a he was an yeah. upperclassman, right? He'd had a couple of years. But I remember that you know he handled himself that same way. But Delora just that's what blew me away. Was man, this this dude, this dude looks like he's been doing this for a while.
0: Yeah, amen to that. Okay, so somebody else who I thought looked like they were doing it for a while. And probably the biggest surprise that I've had in, in the last few years was was Sam Neuer. Yes. Right, we got Colorado uh, and Stanford. Colorado one and zero. How about that win for Carl Durrell against the team that fired him, you know, a while ago? That, that was pretty cool uh, for him. But Sam Neuer, if you don't know, I'll do a quick recap. Uh, recruited out of high school and was a was a nice recruit. You know, came out of the Portland area. Um, Alex Brink trains him, still does. You know, former Washington State Coug. And goes to Colorado, think he's gonna play a lot, and doesn't. Ends up uh playing QB in mop-up duty 27, 2019. He moves to safety, plays a little bit in some of the games we called last year, Ted, and then he hits the portal. And I remember talking to him this offseason, and uh he was just kind of looking for a new place to go. And then here comes a new coach, and here comes Darren shiverini and here comes Danny Langsdorff. Remember that name? He's now their quarterback coach at Colorado. They called him and said, hey. Why don't you come back? And Danny, of course, knew him from, you know, he was in Oregon State forever, it seemed like, with Mike Riley. Uh, He had recruited him uh, in college. Danny has gone from Oregon State to the Giants to the Ducks. He was at UNLV for a minute with Arroyo before going to Colorado. But they convinced him to come back. And I did not think he would win the job. Like, he he was number three for me. And his command was not only amazing, but the number one takeaway is that he, I think, had the most fun out of anybody. I watched play all weekend. He was smiling ear to ear when he should have slid. He was diving. It was almost like he was playing in the backyard in that offense. And, and I haven't seen a quarterback have that much fun probably since Gardner Minshew in a game <laughs> when, when you have no clue what he's going to be. It was, it was awesome. So, so with that, what did you take away from UCLA, Colorado, and what are you looking forward to Colorado versus Stanford this well, weekend?
1: Yeah. And obviously Broussard, who you mentioned earlier, the running back that was originally a Mike McIntyre guy. I mean, that's, you know, several coaches ago, all the injuries that were outlined that he's fought back through real-time running back. Um, And the hard part, and and this may get into the game that we're hoping gets played Saturday night between Utah and UCLA, the hard part to watch again, uh, we spent a lot of time on this pod last year talking about Chip Kelly and UCLA and you'd see the, Progress on offense, and then you watch the game Saturday night. Every time I'm watching Colorado throw a ball, and Neuer completes a pass, and there's not a defender within eight yards of the receiver. And that's man, man, just it's hard. It's it's uh, we've seen it, uh, I saw it firsthand for a year in the NFL. It's hard. it's hard to keep your spirit up when your offense clicks, and the defense can't match that, the defense can't stop. And to me, I was watching the game Saturday, and I didn't think UCLA's defense had any chance. To stop Colorado, so no matter what you score, no matter how well DTR is throwing the ball, and Felton's running the ball, and the, the uh, Dulcich, the you know has a nice story. He's become a bulkier kid now. He's playing tight end, makes some nice catches. You know, it's good offensive stories for UCLA, and it doesn't lead to anything at the end because their defense just isn't there right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm with you there. So you're uh, in the background or the backdrop of Stanford's campus is where you live. Uh, What do you think about this team, right? We talked about their O-line already. It sounds like we don't know, at least at the time we record this on Wednesday around noon. We don't know uh, if Davis Mills will play. We saw Tanner McKee, who looks the part when he throws it. Man, is he huge. Who's sacking, Jack West. Him,
1: who's sacking him? By the way, who's? I mean, bringing, like the big dude. The what was his name? The three hundred pound kid that played at Kentucky quarterback.
0: Oh, Jared Lorenzo. Jared
1: Lorenzo. Jared Lorenzo. Yeah, I was like, well, at the man? Like seriously, a defensive yeah, he, a defensive guy gets his arms around McKee. Who's bringing him down?
0: Agreed. He He, he's, he is. He's going to be the face of this conference at quarterback. Um, and they ran the ball well, right? Stanford. They ran the rock. And and to me, what stood out. Uh, in terms of the run, running the football, uh, here, here's an interesting stat for you. Austin Jones combined for almost 200 yards. That was the most rushing yards in a game since November 2018 against Oregon State. Mm-hmm. Against, again, we talked about the front in o- Oregon. So in this one, to me, it's, it's Mustafa Johnson, Nate Landman, front seven against the run game. And then, of course, the play-action game of Stanford. I, I'd imagine – this is kind of going kind to of be a vintage Stanford offensive game if, if Mills doesn't go. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I, and if Mills doesn't go, right. And that's what we yeah. don't know. Um, the back story to this is so tough because, and you know this too, uh, Yogi know, David Shaw has been so strong. And I'm sure every coach has done the same thing, but we know David Shaw front and center, preaching to his team individual responsibility that we don't want to be the ones that knock the season down. That make sure the season can't happen, um, and so I we we don't know anything more than Davis Mills couldn't play, but for that to happen was just had to be startling. Um, second point about Stanford that I was concerned about watching in their second half clearly was a case. You know, we we talk about Walker Little opting out, who was hopeful he's hopeful of being a first second round draft pick, but they also lost Paul Sandoval, and that was huge. Their concerns at the corner, and you saw Oregon just went to town. And It was again understandable. If you think you have a matchup advantage, you're going to work it, and Oregon worked it big time in the second half. So I think how much Colorado chooses to do that and subsequent opponents will be interesting. But that's clearly going to be something Stanford defensively has to work on: is how do I cover and protect my corners who may not be as strong right now? As we, as we, especially if a Debo had played, you know, they would have been safe on the one side. You figure out the other side without that. That, to me, Oregon Oregon worked that pretty pretty effectively.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to see, hopefully, Coyote Blue Kelly yeah. comes back in this game because he's expected to be that next guy. So uh, something to, to watch in that ball game. All right, so let's get to the evening. We've got Cal and their opener uh, on the road, hopefully, against Arizona State, right, is the time we recorded this. Um, I know they're practicing, so everybody's anticipating playing. We'll see how that shakes out based on everything around covid uh, what, what do you think about this game? Because part of me, uh, you know, it, it's hard. I, I don't know Cal's offense, but I know Cal's defense. Yeah. And we know ASU's offense, right? And the receivers struggled, as you referenced. Like, this could be a, another epic game for Arizona State, back-to-back, really challenging ones that come down to the end. How, how do you see this one?
1: Yeah, I, and as, as we're doing this, we're talking on Wednesday morning, and there's still concern, so we have to say that because of uh, – Again, no matter what a conference tries to do, local authorities, especially in our part of the country, take precedent. And the city of Berkeley is not bending right now on the contact tracing restrictions that are, would might not allow Cal to play this game. So anyway, we hope that doesn't happen. Um, defensive line was already a spot where Cal got hurt by the Pac-12's uh, joint decisions because they lost a starting Dean Lyman and Luke Beckett. right? Luke Beckett transferred to BC so he could play at a point where we didn't think there was going to be a season. Um, So that's, that's tough. Other, right. Right. We know Cal's defense. We know Chase Garbers. We have a pretty good idea about what their running game is going to be like. New offensive coordinator, as, as you talked about Yogi. Um, And it's, we go back to the Arizona conversation of what, 20 or so minutes ago, blank slate, no tape for Herm And Marvin Lewis and Antonio Pierce to watch, they can watch Chase Garbers from last year, but it was a different offense, different, we think different, structure. Um, i just, you know, this is one of those ones right now where I just hope to get to play. I hope Cal gets to play. Um, you know, and obviously if, if, if a team loses a second game, it's going to be incredibly disruptive to anything that happens for, for the season, for the conference, for that school. So, uh, and if I'm, if I'm Arizona state, Jaden Daniels didn't have to have a huge game last Saturday and they still were the best team on the field. That's, I'm pretty happy about that. Right. I didn't ask James yeah. Daniels to win the game for me, and they were still the best team on the field.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think this one's going to be fun because Arizona State, from that I could tell, they left the Coliseum saying we won that game. Like we didn't win on the scoreboard, but like they 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 probably are coming out of that thing angry versus disappointed and frustrated and down on themselves. I bet practice for them has been phenomenal all week. Uh, the biggest key for me in this game is going to be can Cal throw the ball against Jack Jones and Chase Lucas, right? And that would suitably revamped secondary for Arizona State. Because I think they're going to have to create some explosive plays, uh, even if it's just three. I mean, how many times do I say that when we call games? What quarterback can make three throws? And if you track it, and we used to talk about Tyler Huntley all the time, his junior year, he didn't make three throws all the time. His senior year, he made those three throws in games. Uh, regarding, of course, Britton being our producer listening on this bad boy. Uh, so, so that, to me, is, is the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to and this ballgame is is what is the offense and what's the passing game look
1: like? And so we're, we also have unknowns. We're going to find out Saturday night, Yod, because uh, – and we'll get to Britain here in a second, but we don't – still don't know who Washington's quarterback is, right? The Huskies get their <laughs> first game. They are at home late-night game against Oregon State.
0: Yeah, that one is uh, – I'm most anticipating that game. I just want to see Dub. right? I mean, they've, they've recruited really well. You called it. I loved it. The Pukunakua, the touchdown against Hawaii. Last year, this guy should go off. They want to take shots and be aggressive downfield. Their secondary is really impressive. Oregon State, most disappointing team. I thought uh, you know them or UCLA could probably flip a coin from week one around what you thought you would see. So I, I'm excited. And then for Oregon State, I think they just feed Jamar Jefferson. That's what I would do because the, the one spot that's unknown is the defensive front for UW because of the opt-outs. Levi Ansariki opts out, Joe Tryon opts out, uh, the linebackers last year um, up and down throughout the season. So I think it's healthy dose of Jamar Jefferson, like 30 carries. That, that, that's what I'm kind of anticipating going into this one. And then we'll see what the offense is at of UW, like another, another dramatic unknown with a new offensive coordinator.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you because that's what I thought. I'm sure everybody, probably every Beaver fan was surprised they didn't see Jamar Jefferson get that kind of workload last week. So yeah, you're right. I would expect it this week. So let me, let me bring Britain back in here as we swing to our last game, which we hope is going to happen, Utah, UCLA. Number of players, especially Arizona State, number of players that were cramping in the second half of last week's game. You know, we talk about injuries, which are going to happen because it's – you know, and everybody's – I've read all kinds of stories about people talking about how sore their players are because it's the first real hitting. I mean, hitting with passion, hitting somebody – that you don't that you're playing against but then we saw the cramping go on and and it wasn't that hot actually saturday morning in los angeles it was re, re amazingly temperate so as a guy who's going to play saturday night for the first time what's your takeaway on the, the 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 health aspect of the first week of games
2: yeah no that's an interesting point and i i think it was yogi that was talking about how difficult it is to come back from cramping things like that it's it's going to be totally different right now. I'm looking outside my window and it's a blizzard. It's snowing. And then we're going to be playing, you know, in 70 degree weather on Saturday. We haven't been in that weather for a few weeks. Uh, so it's going to be different. And, you know, I mean, there were a few of our position groups that were knocked out because of contact tracing. So it's not like you have the depth that we used to have. You, you can't just rotate guys in and out. And that, you know, when a guy's playing 65 snaps, that heightens the risk of injury or cramping and you really got to manage that. And that's where depth helps so much. That's why, you know, teams like you dub are consistently so good is because there's no drop off in those depth in that depth. Yeah.
0: That's full well said. I wonder too, uh, you know, travel rosters are usually limited. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's changed. I'll, I'll find out for next week's pod. Um, just, just because of that factor, Ted, of like who's playing, who's not, who might play, who might not. Uh, I do, think that's going to be do something.
1: You know it. that? Are you going to be able to take more guys? Do you know? I
2: don't think you will be able to take more guys. I I forget what it's limited to. It's like seventy players, something like that.
1: Yeah, I, it's interesting, and I, I I hadn't thought about that, Yogi. It's a great point until you raised it because the NFL has has lightened up its right <laughs> all of its rules this year. You I mean yeah, if you have. 10-year veterans on practice squads for this very fact, for the COVID realities and the need to have reserves right at hand. Um, So that's uh, – Britton, let me ask you, what's been your takeaway watching tape to prepare this week? What's been your takeaway from UCLA?
2: Yeah, well, like like you guys talked about, that first game uh, showed a lot about who they are and what they can do – UCLA every year, you know that you're going to get athletes. I mean, you go in there and simple things such as on special team, they're, they're punt gunners. You know, you've got guys that were running 10, 700 meter dashes in high school, 10 fives. Uh, So their whole team is full of athletes. And, and that's, what's scary about a team like UCLA is on any given night, they can beat anybody. And that's, usually how the California teams go in general. I, I feel like the West coast, California teams. So, you know, we, we, we watched Colorado and we were really impressed with what they did. And, you know, we're trying to emulate some of those things. Uh, one game into the season, you don't know what the weaknesses and strengths are still. So we're trying to, you know, we're, we're trying to find out who we are, honestly, in the first game.
1: I hope you're sore on Sunday, healthy sore, but I hope you're sore.
2: Oh, me too. (laughs) I hope we play. (laughs) Amen to that. Well, all right. So as we
0: close out here, 10, I want to ask you what you're most looking forward to. But prior to that, I need to give like a midweek game ball to two programs and that's UW and Utah. Because in this day and age, the fact that the quarterback is not known for both of those teams heading into Week Two over this proverbial <laughs> season yeah. blows my mind. It's just—it's a—it's it, amazing. It's amazing.
1: So with we that, we obviously aren't paying Britain enough because we don't know the, the exactly. And I'm about to spill the bean now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what,
0: what are you most looking forward to um, once we get going? Games hopefully this weekend again.
1: Well, yeah. Outside of the obvious six all six games being played. That would be great. Um, I could it. My curiosity factor is the highest for the Oregon Washington state game. Just again, mostly because of the way the Cougs played in week one to see if they can bring that back to their home field. And we know Oregon, we, we know Mario, we know the emphasis on line play and physical nature of football. Take that on the road, right? That's how you're going to win up there. So that, that to me is the most curious factor. And and of course the obvious thing that I also hope other than all twelve teams play is that we don't have any Davis Mills last minute, you know, significant player that, that can't play. Or yeah, Max Bruin also one. we forgot about him too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and that will at least reportedly wasn't COVID related. Right. So who knows how long that, that'll be. And shout out to Dean McIntosh. How about not flinching for him? That was amazing, as you referenced earlier. Uh, for me, of course, that game, I think that's the highlight game of the conference this week. But I really am excited to watch Cal. Because I think if we had media day in July, Cal would have been the sexy team, the sexy pick, would have been talking about them, and they would have done well in their non-con. I'm just really excited because they're doing well in recruiting, they have a talented roster, and they're clearly frustrated from not playing week one. So does that spill over? To week two, do they over-pursue? Do they try too hard? Or do they just settle in and and try to play their physical brand? And what is their brand on offense with all the shifts and motions that at least we read about? So I'm I'm really intrigued because you have NFL coordinator, right, Bill Musgrave, and you clearly have NFL defense in Marvin Lewis, Antonio Pierce, Herman Edwards. So that, to me, is going to be schematically maybe the funnest game
1: of the weekend. Wow. And and Britton has obviously been with us talking about how – Utah's doing this and I used to have to have a ton of empathy for Justin Wilcox again, because he is, you know, he has to work within the parameters set by the city of Berkeley, not the PAC 12 conference or the university of California. It's the city of Berkeley. And we have seen already one team in the mountain West, the university of New Mexico, which is facing similar restrictions in Albuquerque and they've moved their program to Las Vegas so that they can play. Uh, if they, they played a road game here in the Bay Area at San Jose State last week. If they had gone back to Albuquerque, it was going to be a 14-day quarantine. So, can't do that. I mean, can't do that and play football. Mm. So, therefore, yeah. they went to Las Vegas, and I believe they're playing a game Saturday night. Their home game, I believe, they're playing it in the the new stadium in Las Vegas. Hope that doesn't have to happen for Cal. That's what I'm saying.
0: I'm with you there. Okay, so uh, at the time of this record, we got five top 25 games that are postponed. Bama's not playing. Ohio State, a and Georgia, and Auburn, for whatever mm-hmm. that's worth. And as Ted said, let's hope we can get to Saturday, and I want to talk about six games instead of four. So in the meantime, uh, keep it locked right here. It's Ted Robinson, our producer, Britton Covey, and Yogi Roth. Everything packed to all football. This is the only place. This is the one-stop shop. You want insight? You got questions? Hit us up on social media, Ted Robinson, myself, on uh, all the platforms. We'll get to your questions or answers. And Ted, I think as we get going, maybe we have some fun and do twelve minutes of live on a social media platform, pre or post pod, just to kind of tease this thing next week. Yeah, be good. And, uh, look for some more creative elements. Well, look, look to our producer for some of those ideas.
2: <laughs> Love it. We'll pull out. We'll pull
1: it all out. Good job.
0: All right. Talk Thank to you great. soon. Peace.